Blog Talk Radio. but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, national spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds program, and editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and, of course, living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Please visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. At Kalmbach Feeds, our layer pellets and crumbles are all natural, antibiotic-free, with no animal byproducts. Formulated just for laying hens, Our feed is fortified with essential amino acids and calcium to ensure maximum production of nutritious, tasty, strong-shelled eggs. From our family to yours, feed your hens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Find a dealer at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H, feeds.com. Or order your layer pellets and crumples today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. Metzer Farms is now hatching and shipping the premier egg layer. This girl is consistently laying jumbo eggs with a higher nutrient density and lower water content than your eggs now. She is an extremely hardy bird and the most heat and cold tolerant egg layer available, allowing for year-round outdoor production. An eggshell unmatched in sturdiness and thickness, making cracks a thing of the past. Increase your health and double your egg profits. Of course, we're talking about ducks. Duck eggs are revered by chefs for their succulent flavor and by bakers for being the better baking egg. Learn more about this extraordinary duck, the Golden 300, or any of our other 35-plus breeds of ducks and geese at MetzerFarms.com and order your next flock from us. How would you like to sleep in on the weekends without having to get up early to let your chickens out or not have to rush home after eating dinner to shut your chickens in for the night? And who's had the unfortunate surprise that a raccoon, possum, or fox got to your chickens because you forgot to close the coop? Well, your days of worrying have come to an end. Introducing the Chicken Guard Automatic Chicken Coop Door Opener. Working off either the timer or light sensor, Chicken Guard automatically opens your coop door in the morning to let the girls out and shuts it at night to keep them safe. Tried and trusted by over 40,000 users worldwide. Buy Chicken Guard online at chickenguardian.com or your local farm and feed store. That's chickenguardian.com. When you need an incubator, think Brincy, the incubation specialists. Brincy has been a world-leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years. They manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. 
Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at Brincy.com. That's B-R-I-N-S-E-A.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. All right, thanks for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Kambach Bees. Normally, I start the show with post-chat, chickens in the news, what's going on here at the homestead, fence building, tractor breakdowns, cows, chickens, goats, dogs, kids, whatever. But uh, not today. Not today, because I want to jump right into this, um, because I've been teasing this for the last couple of weeks. I'm very excited for the show today, special Tuesday episode. Uh, we even in the summer issue of Chicken Whisperer magazine, there's going to be a full article about this, uh, the study, and um, I'm just going to jump right into it. So I'm going to first bring on uh, Dr. McCray because you all know her. She's been coming on the show for close to a decade now, and um, I'm going to have her kind of get started, uh, kind of... Uh, pave the way, if you will, before we bring on uh, our, our our main guest today, which is Madison Hamilton, and because she's going to tell us all about the study, what she did in and out. I mean, we got to we'll reward this young lady for her hard work. I mean, you know, messing around with chicken poo and everything else every day and the microscopes and things like that, but uh, we'll, we'll get to Madison here in a few minutes. I want Dr. McCray to actually start off and paint us this picture because um, if I'm not mistaken, this was kind of a part of a, uh, um, I don't even remember what she had called it, a backyard uh, group forum, consensus, whatever. And we kind of got together and said, okay, here are the things that are out there that are a little bit, seem to be too good to be true. And, and now we've got this opportunity at Auburn to, to do some studies, to do some tests, to see if this is chicken fat or chicken poop. And so, Dr. McCray, <laughs> welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Hi, Andy. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you just fine, absolutely. If you would, just kind of tell us how, how this got started, the, the, the pathway to where the, uh, we got started with this study and the pathway to where uh, Madison got involved. And then once once that's done and we get into the study itself and how it was done and all the steps and then the outcome, uh, you know, with, with Madison, you'd kind of lead us up to that point, the need and our goals here and different things like that. Okay. Well, first of all, I'm not sure if Madison knows that she needs to press one to be in the host queue. I see her. Um, I see her. She's yep. She is on hold. Okay, good. Not a problem. (laughs) I just wanted to make sure. (laughs) I didn't want to leave you hanging there, Madison. All right. Um, So, when my building was being renovated, I was temporarily housed over in the poultry science department. And that's a great opportunity for me to walk around and get to know some of the professors who are doing the research that matters to most of us. And Dr. Rudiger Hawk was in the office right above my head, quietest man you ever heard, never heard him drop a single thing. But um, he, he and I were talking because in the past he had done some similar research and we just got to having a really good conversation. And I said, well, you know, let me get a group of folks who have multiple resources and multiple outlets to get feedback together, and let's see what people want research on or tests done on. And then you, Dr. Hawk, can, you know, you know, we can work together to design the experiment, but you can, you know, write a grant to... Um, get the funds to do the research. And so 
after many, many conversations with a lot of people, some people who were interested in being on a, a backyard flock uh, advisory council or a small flock advisory council, um, we have about a dozen people that we gather um, or I gather or call upon to uh, to reach out to your constituents and ask the questions that we need to have asked. Um, and in this case, we were asking, okay, coccidiosis, what do people want? And the initial question I was asking was, what are people using as a treatment? Well, that very quickly in the course of our, our focus group um, turned into, no, it's not the treatment that we're interested in. It's a preventative we were interested in. And I said, okay, well, what are people giving? And, you know, we narrowed it down to, I think, five different things. Or maybe it was six. I can't remember. Um, <clears throat> but I took I took that list up to um, Dr. Hawk, and we looked at the list, and, you know, we, we need, in good scientific design, you need a negative control and a positive control, and you need multiple um birds and each treatment and multiple treatments for each thing that you're going to test. So, you know, we we looked at, um, you know, kind of went back to, to uh, what people were writing and said, okay, well, let's look at the, the positive control because the negative tr- control is, is nothing. It's just water, just giving them normal food and normal water. And we said, okay, what are we going to, what's the dose? And we kind of came up with what was out there in the literature and confirmed with our constituents, and away we went. Um, Dr. Hawk was um, looking for, for funding, and he actually used a little bit of his startup funds, I think, to get this um, experiment, you know, completed. But, um, you know, he had to fill out a lot of forms and do an incredible amount of paperwork as is associated with doing research on animals at a university. Excuse me, getting a a cough started there. Um, And he got it all passed through. Then then we were like, okay, who's going to do the work? Well, he had one student, um, but uh, that's where Madison came in. She ended up being the hero of the day and was a real problem solver. Sometimes you get students who who look good on paper, but, you know, when you get them down to the work, they roll their eyes, they sigh real big, they quit halfway <laughs> through. That is not Madison Hamilton. And I think I'm going to leave it there. Um, when she was done with her, her research, uh, she had to give a presentation and, you know, for her major, she has to give a presentation prior to graduation. And she, I think she could have done it over in her college, but she ended up doing it at the vet school because, you know, that's the level of work that she was working on. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let, let Madison take it from here. Um, I think, you know, this is her first time on the radio show, so I'll, I'll pipe up if, if there are any questions that she needs help with, all she has to do is, is you know, phone a friend. <laughs> but I'm already on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> yep, you're there. We're going to keep you on as well for your insight or any questions that I might oversee based on, the, you know, the the research and the level of research and any questions that, that, that would be great coming from you as well that you figure our listeners out there may want to have. So I'll also ask our listeners, if you all have any questions, Post them over on our Facebook page. I'll try to open up the chat room here in just a minute. And um, you've got to register, and you can post in the chat room if you have any questions. But the easiest way is to go over to the link for the radio show that I posted on the Chicken Whisperer Facebook page. And in the comments section, uh, type out any questions, and we can have those. So um, we'll definitely do that. So I'll keep you live, uh, Dr. McRae. And now uh, Madison Hamilton is live also on the show. So Madison, thank you very much for joining us today. We're all excited to hear about uh, how the study was, was, I guess, 
done and outcome and all your hard work. This is where you can say, this is all the hard work I did. This is the outcome. This is the study, your whole presentation, going through the slides, however you want to do that. Uh, we welcome you to do that. So, But first, uh, Madison, if you'll just tell us a little bit about, um, I guess, uh, at, at Auburn, I'm assuming you may be a senior, um, and then uh, give us that information, what your major is, how you got involved in this, if your major is not poultry science or vet, veterinary, or how you got involved in that type of thing, and um, just a little bit of background about yourself, and then we'll get right into the study. Okay, thank you so much for having me. Um, I was really excited when Dr. McCrea asked me if I wanted to do this after my presentation, but I was a little nervous. But um, anyways, I actually just graduated from Auburn on Saturday with a degree in organismal biology. Thank you so much. Right. Hey, it feels good to be done. Lots of people uh, applauding for you here. Hang on just a second. Wow, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Um. But actually, I got involved with Dr. Houck. My so I was a Delta Gamma at Auburn, and my big is his other student that he was with. And I was talking about how much I wanted to do some research and stuff, and she was like, oh, my gosh, you would be so interested in doing this stuff with me. And so um, she set up an appointment, and it, things just um, went from there, and it was great. I had a lot of fun this past semester. It was hard, but it was fun. That's so, great. You, um, who would have thought you'd be doing studies on what is your major? What did you graduate with your major? Organismal biology. So Oh, okay. So uh, animals, kind of yeah. Your yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Great. So it is yeah, related in perfect good. sense. <laughs> good exactly. Deal. I know. I told her every day, I was like, This is the strangest thing I've ever found myself involved in, but I love it. <laughs> so it's been good <laughs> with the chicken. Yes, but, and we all yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, um, well, kind of just in order to start, I don't know how many people know about Imeria and, like, its transmission pathway through the host. But, anyways, it has the fecal-oral route of transmission. So, um, an infected chicken will release unsporulated oocysts into the environment, and then it'll take about two to three days to sporulate and then become infected to the next chicken and then it takes about six days in the intestine where it goes through various stages of replication and then releases more into the environment. So it's just a big cycle. And mm-hmm. so it's host-specific. There's about nine species. And for this experiment, um, we use Imeria acerbulina, Imeria maxima, and Imeria tenella, which infects different parts of the intestine. So acerbulina infects the duodenum, Maxima infects the jejunum, and Tanella infects the cica. So um, each of those parasites has, have different egg morphology, or not egg, oocysts morphologies and virulence. So um, we just wanted to see what was going on. And so some symptoms of coccidiosis include weight loss, dehydration, diarrhea, and death. And um, it causes devastating intestinal lesions, which are dose-dependent. So if the chickens have a heavy infection, then it'll be a higher lesion or vice versa. But that can also lead to secondary bacterial infections, and so um, such as clostridium. So it's just very harmful for the bird, and it lowers their performance. And so we measured the zootechnical um, parameter. We used weight gain, but other ones that can contribute can be feed conversion and feed consumption, but we just looked at the weight gain. And so I'm sure as all everyone knows, it can just be very costly to the farmers and the commercial owners, the cost of prophylaxis and treatment, and it's just very expensive Mm -hmm. disease to have to combat. And so um, another thing that we wanted to look at study was looking at the changes in the microbiota. And so that's not really very studied um, with regards to Armeria. And so that can help with the development of probiotics and prebiotics for treating coccidiosis. Um, So we wanted to look at the various stages post-infection with the parasite. And so um, as Dr. McCrea was saying, she found out the two 
the most used alternative treatments that are being used by the backyard flock owners. And so that was green tea and apple cider vinegar. So I was very surprised because we drink those as well. But we just wanted to see if those were effective, and we also wanted to see if they could be used more commercially in organic flocks and no antibiotic ever mm-hmm. flocks. And then, we, um, again, we wanted to test the intestinal microbiota to see the and different I, changes. I am going to speak up here. We used um, apple cider vinegar with the mother. Okay. Ah, uh, yes. That's everybody always actually comments on that. Oh, yeah, you just need to use apple cider vinegar. And they're like, wait, 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 not just any, not just the bottom shelf from the grocery store, but the apple cider vinegar with the mother. Yep, you do hear a lot of that in, on the blogs and forums. That's correct, Dr. McRae. Mm-hmm. Thanks for pointing that out. Yes, thank you. Um, so, yes, we use the apple cider vinegar, and we use the exact same thing that the backyard flock owners were using. And um, we put about, so we heard that they use about one tablespoon per gallon, and so we kind of did our own conversion, and so we were putting the same amount that they are using. And we found that it can kind of alter the pH of the intestine, which can interfere with the coccidian replication. So that's um, that's the hypothesis as to why it could be effective. And then the green tea, it just contains some polyphenolytic compounds, and so, which have antioxidant properties and also are antiparasitics. And so, even we drink that. And so, I like green tea. Okay, mm-hmm. so we got some birds and um, we got 240 hatch broiler chicks. They're commercial and um, unvaccinated. And they were sent to Auburn. And we separated these birds. So, we had two rooms with two batteries in each room that consisted of cages and so there are about 20 cages per room for the different treatments and six birds were placed in each cage and we used cages instead of pens just to kind of try and keep them away from their feces and um, prevent reinfection and we applied the treatments in their water and so um, our four treatment groups were the apple cider vinegar the green tea and proleum which is the anti-coccidia drug that's being used in the control, which is just plain water. And so for the green tea that was prepared, we did two tea bags for every one liter of water, and then um, we boiled it and cooled it, and then it was further diluted one to two with water. And the apple cider vinegar was 50 milliliters for every 10 liters of water, and that was the same as the one tablespoon for every gallon. And then the Emporium, we used a 0.012% active compound in the water. And so the whole study lasted 29 days. So for this treatment or for this experiment, um, the water was measured daily and then each um, at the same time every day and then administered set amounts of water so we can measure and calculate how much was consumed every day. And so we were kind of nervous to see if, the concentrations, like if the birds would actually be drinking the water, if they'd like it. And um, we did see that throughout the study that they were drinking the water and taking in the treatments that we were giving them. And so they did not reject the concentrations. So um, that was good. But Did the, um, so did the of, birds, real quick question, did, did the birds that yeah. were drinking the green tea or the apple cider vinegar uh, versus just plain old water, and you may have gotten that, maybe jumping the gun, did they drink more of it based on maybe the flavor, whether they liked it more, or, or was, was the overall water consumption about the same over the, the, the studies? It was pretty much about the same. Like, we saw some variation towards the end, um, which, like, they were drinking less of the untreated, like the... Um, the control, just plain water, but it wasn't statistically significant, so they were all basically just drinking it. They didn't really care. Um, So kind of just a little timeline of the study. So like I said, it was 29 days. And so for the first 14 days, we were just monitoring the chickens, watching them grow, giving them water, and um, measuring that. And then on day 15, we infected them. And various points post-infection, including on the date of infection, we did necropsies. 
um, to get their intestinal microbiota content to look at the changes of that. And then on day 21, which was also six days post-infection, we did their lesion scoring. And so we thought, we hypothesized that that would be the date of peak shedding. So that would be a good day to do the lesion scores. And so for the infection, we randomly selected one of the two rooms that we were using at the farm, which contained 120 birds. And we gave them a fully virulent vaccine containing the three Imeria species that we were looking at, like Tonella, Acervolina, and Maxima. And we administered um, the vaccine with a one milliliter oral gavage of a five-fold dose. And so um, that dose is actually pretty low because we wanted to see the effects of the treatment against the parasite. If we gave them a large dose, you wouldn't have been able to, like it, the intestines would have just been overwhelmed. And if the treatments did have an effect, you still wouldn't have been able to see them. So that's why um, the doses were low. And so throughout the study, we were trying to look for any clinical signs if they were, that they were contracting, such as the diarrhea, dehydration, death, weight loss. And we didn't observe any clinical signs. And then we also measured the bird weights. We measured all of them on day 1, 15, 21, and 29. So day 15 was the day of infection, and 21 was the um, peak oocyst shedding. And so there wasn't, we didn't see any um, differences between the weights. They were all pretty consistent for each of the day, and they were gaining weight. Um, so we concluded that there was no weight reduction due to the coccidia. Um, so we did our necropsies throughout at various days post-infection, um, day 15 through 29. And so we had to euthanize the birds by CO2 asphyxiation and then cervical dislocation to prevent reversal. And so on the majority of the days, we did three birds per group. And then on day 21, we did 10 birds per group so that we could look at the lesion scores. And we collected the intestinal contents of the duodenum, jejunum, and cica, which is what our species would infect. And so we had one person do all of the lesion scores. So that was Dr. Huck, our professional. And um, he used the, mix, the method um, that was laid out by Johnson and Reed. And it, so it goes from a scale of zero to four, zero being a completely normal looking intestine, and then four being a, um, an intestine with severe lesions. And um, so the doses that we gave them were not enough to really devastate the intestine because we gave them the low dose. But he was totally unbiased. He did, was not able to know what group the bird he was scoring came from, and he did all the birds to keep it kind of consistent. Mm -hmm. And um, so for the duodenum, there really were no statistically significant differences between the different groups, except for the untreated infected group and the untreated T group for the duodenum. And that same pattern was seen in the jejunum um, with the infected, untreated, and the infected T groups, but no other groups were statistically significant, that's hard to say. And then in the CICA, um, there were no significant differences with the lesion scores. They're all pretty much the same. Um, and so in order to kind of quantify the amount of oocysts that were being released into the environment, we collected fecal samples um, around kind of days around the peak shedding. And so for quantitative fecal examination, which I can tell you is very fun, we collected 20 grams of feces per cage, and we made sure to pool it so that we were kind of getting um, an accurate representation of the cage and not just from perhaps one bird. And so we weighed out one gram of the feces and then added it to saturated NACL solution and then pipetted it onto a McMaster side. And so for those of you who don't know, a McMaster side is a microscope slide, and it has two chambers. And there is a kind of like a graph in it with 10 columns. And so you're just going up and down each column, counting the number of oocysts in each column. And then you're um, able to calculate the number of oocysts per gram of feces. And so 
Um, we saw that day six, which is what we hypothesized as the peak shedding, actually was. There was a lot of OSIS shed on that day. Um, but we saw at day five post-infection. So we looked at days five, six, seven, eight, and nine post-infection kind of around the peak shedding. And day five, we did see some significant differences between the Amprolium, which is our anti-coccidia drug, in the tea and the Amprolium in the untreated. But then, um, so we could see that the Amprolium did have some initial, but however, there were no other significant differences on any other of the other days. And so um, even though we saw some differences between the lesion scores and the OSA counts, the majority of the data presented with no significant differences, so we concluded that the low infection dose did not cause any disease. Um, and so the apple cider vinegar and the green tea really were not effective treatments against Imeria. And so, but we really didn't play with the concentrations any. We kind of kept them the same. So further studies may be done in order to test higher concentrations, but the ones that we used weren't effective. But um, talk about the microbiota, because we did all those necropsies to collect it. We are still working on that this summer. Dr. Hutt gave me a job, and so we will be um, doing PCR on the intestinal microbiome, sequencing the 16S RDNA. And we're going to start with untreated, infected, and not infected groups, just to kind of see um, the different changes. And then we'll go from there on what else we should PCR to see but um so that was kind of my semester in a little presentation <laughs> that was awesome that was fascinating and i think it does a couple of things it lets people know um <clears throat> the uh again the folks that are just you know commenting on this sharing a lot of this quackery oh this works for me and that type of stuff just it lets them see just exactly how detailed the studies can be and and how it there's a lot more to just oh it worked for me it worked for you and and it's, so i love that aspect of all of your research and you sharing that with us today because it lets us see how detailed the studies can be <laughs> you talked about how yeah. impartial because the doctor who who did the main testings you know he didn't know what birds for were from where he did them all so he was comparing them all keeping it all similar mm -hmm. which is fascinating and then um uh, again the, the fact that at the end of the day that at that one tablespoon per gallon of the coccidiosis what what do you have in front of you the the amount of green tea. I didn't know we were doing that one, so that was that's fascinating to me as well. So what, what amount of, say, green tea? Was it about the same, or how was that delivered? Dropping um, a tea bag? Or... <laughs> yeah, so I don't really know what the um, backyard flock owners are using, but we did two tea bags for every one liter of water, and so um, originally we were doing 10 liters of water, and so I cooked it with 10 tea bags with five, 10 liters of water. Oh, no, I don't remember. But, yeah. No, we did two. I just, did, I'm sorry. We did 10 tea bags with five liters of water. And then, oh, no, now I'm messing myself up. I don't know. We did two tea bags for one liter of water and then diluted <laughs> it further. That's fine. That's a I'm lot to remember. Um, I know. I, I didn't even know that. I didn't know that that was a thing. You use, you know, green tea to combat coccidiosis. And as much as I kind of go over and review and try to look at all these things that, that are out there for the next uh, the next issue of Chicken Fact or Chicken Poop, I didn't even know that was a yeah. saying to use the green. People were saying, oh, yeah, green tea will help coccidiosis too. Didn't even know that one. That's a new one on me. So um, I was fascinated to hear that when, when you came on the air because I didn't know that study was being done at the coincide with the coccidiosis. Yeah. Um, Got to love that. There's so not a at ton the end of, of the day, out about it yet with the green so tea. The the, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was cool. So at the end of the day, it's you know at that at that particular dose, the and Dr. McCray, you're live too. The 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 what's most recommended out there in La La Land, uh, uh, one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar per gallon of water combats coccidiosis. Basically, uh, your your conclusion is. Uh, uh, hang on, let me get this here because I've just been waiting for it. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Saving the 
And now, now I get a big dose of that right there. <laughs> hey, Andy, but, um, stop pushing the buzzer. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> all right, Sin is being modest. She's not explaining all the hard work she put in on a daily basis to make this research go. It was 250 birds, I think it was, right? 250 birds? And oh, I was just taking away when... 240 birds, and then, of course, how many times she weighed them. So they're having to weigh these birds and then collect all this poop and then and then microscope. But remember, and, that's uh, water consumption every day with fresh tea and fresh apple cider vinegar every day. Madison, what time of day yeah. are you doing this work? I was doing it at 530 in the morning. Yep, I had to go before my 8 a.m. People in my 8 a.m. class were looking at me like I smelled like chickens, which I did. So <laughs> <laughs> it was good. I have so, a question for you, Don't Madison. let anybody at, at any say time... our students don't work hard. Yes. Oh, no, goodness gracious. When it comes to study, I think just listening to all of that was, was um, proof enough. Um, and you'll, you'll enjoy this next question, uh, Dr. McRae. Madison, at any time during this study, from beginning mm-hmm. to end, at any time, did you kiss any of the chickens? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, no. I love my I chickens. Those chickens. I love my chickens. I know when I get my own little house, I'm going to have chickens in my backyard. You need backyard chickens. You need backyard chickens. you got to have them. I, I fully agree. <laughs> They're so good. Go kiss your chickens. Eat the chickens. Go kiss them. Oh, mate. So, um, but 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 you now she, have probably she had a new her respect. Favorite. I was gonna say she I probably did. had her favorite. And 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 how many did you name? None of them, actually. I was pretty proud. Didn't I name any of two of them. For not. You named two. <laughs> oh, you did name two of them. Doctor Roy helped out with all of our necropsies, and she was real fun. <laughs> so what was it? Floyd and Fred, right? I think so. Yeah, but they were so both funny. gone on the first day. <laughs> yeah. So Bye, Floyd. It really wasn't that helpful. <laughs> no. But it was fun. It was it was an experience, and I learned a lot. I never would have considered using apple cider vinegar or green tea for any of this. If somebody now, were to give you... I, I Go ahead, Doc. I ask her a, a question... If somebody were going to give you $10,000, what would be the next experiment on this you'd run? Oh, gosh. On this kind of topic? On coccidiosis. I don't know. I probably want to test the different compounds in the tea to see, because green tea is made with using several different elements and so I'd want to see what exactly because we were looking at I was looking at the boxes and like the different compounds that were on the back and they have different percentages of the Camilla sinensis and other just things in that and I think that would be interesting to see which one would be most effective if it I know I think I'd want to try more concentrated but they might not drink yeah it. I know well they're babies, so they don't know any different. They'll be thirsty enough. You know what's yeah, going to happen? That, you know what's going to happen? I, I can already see the picture now. Is that you know we're, we're going to all the and then it'll be in the uh, summer issue of Chicken Whisper magazine, and the <laughs> next thing you know, well, uh, maybe two tablespoons per gallon would actually work, or, or maybe <laughs> I'll just mix one gallon of apple cider vinegar with one gallon of water and give it to my birds, and then maybe that works. So you can, all, you can, you can already maybe. hear the naysayers. I mean, you can hear that. <laughs> maybe. We did give them a low dose of the vaccine, so if that low concentration didn't work against that low dose. We'll see if the higher concentrations would. I'd be interested yep. to see. And you used broiler chickens. What if you did this on leghorn chickens, egg layers? Yeah. I think I think you would have not liked those chickens as much because leghorns are crazy, Madison. 
Are they? Okay, so I won't get those for my backyard. (laughs) No, don't get those for your home flock. Anything you want to add, Dr. McCray, before we uh, go to a commercial break um, regarding the study? I think this is a great first step. Not only did I get to meet, you know, awesome students and work with a new researcher in the department, but... um, I think we can revisit this question a couple more times in the future and and ferret out some of those other details. Yeah, I um I completely agree and um I think it's great we've got to and and hopefully I'll live long enough for this to run through uh, the university there and 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 go through <laughs> but the, the next one what I, what I think is which is even bigger than the um apple cider vinegar and coccidiosis. So in, in the Dr. Chicken Poop book, it's kind of like uh, apple cider vinegar will cure anything and everything regarding your backyard clock because they just throw it at them no matter what. But um, And that is do uh, pumpkin seeds or an all-natural dewormer for chickens. We've got to run that one. I hope I stay alive long enough to see that go through and um, and get that <laughs> one debunked as well because that that's probably the biggest one that is out there and it's been out there for decades. That should be my and, study, uh, Madison. That should be. But I'm not going to go out there at yeah. five o'clock in the morning because I don't have an eight a, eight a.m. class. Yeah, you don't you don't have to go out there that <laughs> early. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. I'm not going to let y'all sit through the next commercial break and then come back host chat and all that. But um, anything um, either one of you young ladies would like to add to this? Maybe a question I didn't think to ask or any of that regarding the uh, folks we're talking about the apple cider vinegar versus coccidiosis and the green tea uh, versus coccidiosis study. And all of this just kind of will, will be a whole review um, uh, from the from Dr. – what was his last name again? Hawk. Dr. Hauk. Dr. Hauk, yeah, um, in the summer issue of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. So it will be right there in print kind of in front of you, so that's good. But uh, before I let you guys go, any, any last-minute uh, things that you want to convey to our listeners? Nothing from me. I don't know. I don't have any. All righty. This has been fascinating. Thank you so much, number one, Dr. McCray, for pushing this through. And and Madison, thank you for all your hard work. And I I was just thinking, okay, weighing 240 birds and watering them every day and adding in this and measuring this and and then scooping poop and and looking at poop under the microscope and 530 in the morning before your classes even begin. Yeah. That's that's, that's a feat in itself. So thank you for all your hard work, and hopefully we can continue some of these uh, myth busters for uh, for chickens uh, through Auburn University. That's awesome. So thank you, ladies, for coming on today. We do appreciate it, and best luck to you, uh, Madison, for future studies. If you're going to, I guess, grad school and masters and PhD and all of that, or whatever whatever your future is, that'll be awesome. Uh, We uh, wish you all the best, and Dr. McRae, we'll see you back here uh, in, in a about a week or so. Okie doke. Bye for now. Thank great. you so Thank much. You. Thank you. Y'all have a great day. You too. The yard bird chicken plucker takes the hassle out of backyard chicken processing by fully defeathering birds in less than 15 seconds. The compact size makes it easy to transport and easy to store. The one and a half horsepower motor and 20 inch stainless steel tub can handle two eight pound birds at the same time. There are no belts or pulleys to wear out and no adjustments necessary, which makes it virtually maintenance free. For more information about how you can own this must have chicken processing product, visit yardbirdchickenpluckers.com today. That's yardbirdchickenpluckers.com. I'm about to say something that may shock you. There's a chance the mealworm treats you're feeding your chickens are doing them more harm than good. Most of the mealworms sold in the U.S. are hollow and empty because of how they're processed, leaving them with little or no nutritional value. The problem is chickens love healthy insects like mealworms, but there hasn't been a way to get access to them in large quantities. Until now. The only mealworm company I endorse is The Honest Worm because of the way they raise and process their mealworms. 
Now, they've set aside some bags only for my listeners to try for free. Just cover the cost of shipping and handling. Head on over to freemealworms.com. That's freemealworms.com. If you don't see sold out at the top of the page, that means there's still some bags left, but only for a limited time. Go to freemealworms.com and get your free bag today. Sweet PDZ has been keeping horse stalls ammonia-free and healthy for nearly 33 years. However, ammonia is ammonia, regardless of the species producing it. Therefore, it will do the same great job in your chicken coops and brooders. Sweet PDZ safeguards flock health by neutralizing and eliminating harmful levels of ammonia and odors. Safe and effective moisture absorption. All-natural, non-toxic, premium-grade zeolite mineral. Contains no masking scents or chemical perfumes. Safe and beneficial to dispose with waste on compost and gardens. Learn more at SweetPDZ.com. That's SweetPDZ.com. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg's family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for both the beginner and experienced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at strombergschickens.com. That's strombergschickens.com. Want to protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster? Nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and large fowl hens. They also come in several different styles and colors. Give your hens the protection they deserve by purchasing Hen Saver Hen Aprons today. 100% of all proceeds goes to provide care to rescued animals at Crazy K Farm in Hempstead, Texas. Purchase your Hen Saver Hen Aprons at hensaver.com. That's hensaver.com. All right, thank you very much for uh, staying with us today. Um, on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisper brought to you by Calm Bach Feeds. And, um, yeah, a big, big round of applause for both Dr. McRae for getting this study uh, um, out the door and actually getting it completed, and to Madison for doing all the legwork. Another big round of applause for you, young ladies. Yep, and then, of course, those of you who wanted to know or who share that one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar and green tea actually is uh, combats uh, coccidiosis. Well, here you go. So hopefully we can do a lot more of this here in the future with Auburn University and Dr. McCray and uh, all the great students over there in the other in the poultry science department. Um, I definitely want to do the one on the um, uh, Pumpkin seeds, all natural dewormer for chickens. I mean, there's so many that went, that's in the chicken poop book uh, that came out in in December that we ha we have to do. So, um, and, and versus you know the book itself that's out is just share on the blogs or forums. Like pumpkin seeds are an all natural dewormer, and then of course we send it to the scientists and the veterinarians and the uh, poultry nutritionists, and they say hey, there's there's no studies out there that prove this. There's no no information out there that that proves any of this. And so, um, and then of course there's a few people that say well. Uh, prove, prove, uh, have a study that says it doesn't. Well, now we do. Now we've got a, a, a train going down that rail with all of these where we now we can say, okay, well, here's the study that says it doesn't versus just there's no studies that say that, that there are. So uh, be on the lookout for the summer issue of Chicken Whisperer magazine because uh, Dr. Uh, Hauk is going to be writing an article for that uh, regarding this whole study. You'll be able to see it in writing and, and read a little bit about it, which is awesome. I checked Facebook. I think there was one question that was posted. Let me update this um, from a listener. And is apple cider vinegar the cure-all treatment for almost everything, like a pot 
uh, of the other chicken uh, uh, bloggers think it is. And, of course, the issue here is, well, regarding the study, no, it is not. So um, it'll be interesting to see if now that we have this information, if that'll be removed from some of the blogs, if it'll, you know, if some people will be stop, stop, you know, maybe so quickly saying that, or maybe they'll say, well, spoons per gallon of water to combat coccidiosis, or I like to order, I like to put in a, 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 a an eighth of a cup of apple cider vinegar to uh, to combat combat uh, combat coccidiosis and see what the alternative now is going to be that we have this this study under our belt. But um, hey, you know what? It's there's a, there's, <laughs> there's no shortage of this. That's why there's going to be a volume two, a chicken fact or chicken poop coming out here, and maybe about a, a 16 months, 18 months, and um, and because there's no shortage of that information that's out there. So I, I'll I'll end with this for you guys: is doing your surfing blogs and forums. Your four favorite words should be, show me the proof. And if the only proof you get is four other words, it worked for me, you might want to tread lightly around that um, and uh, and uh, take it for a grain of salt, which I don't know, maybe adding a grain of salt to their water might cure something. I don't know. We'll find that later. <laughs> maybe that's another study. So anywho. Thank you very much for tuning in. Hey, we've got a great show coming up this Thursday, uh, our regular schedule time this Thursday at um, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And the focus of that show, fascinating again, folks, the focus will be on the relationship between the chemicals like heavy metals, PCBs, um, PBDEs, and the environment and food safety with a focus on egg, wildfires and floods, um, exacerbate the relationship uh, will also be discussed. So like if you live in an area where there was a, a wildfire that came through, um, at w w what does that do to the soil where chickens are scratching around and, and getting um, uh, you know, in the soil, finding food source from that, heavy metals, iron, um, lead. I know lead is a big one as well. Um, so that this can be a fascinating, and we have two uh, poultry scientists uh, come up. We have uh, Dr. Maurice Pateski, poultry veterinarian, uh, epidemiologist at UC Davis, and a colleague, Dr. Um, I'll probably destroy it, but uh, let's see, Pushner uh, will be on also. So we've got, hey, two for the price of one coming up this Thursday. Uh, two poultry scientists, poultry veterinarians coming on this Thursday to share about that awesome information. So don't, don't want to miss that show coming up this Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on Blog Talk Radio on uh, Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Combach Feed. So thank you very much for tuning in. Make sure you visit us online, chickenwhisperer.com. Again, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and uh, subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. We'll make sure we do that as well. And um, we'll see you this Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you.